0: So glad, so glad that you are here. Hey, did you go to basketball games this weekend? It was good. Good, good. Good games. Really enjoyed it. I, I appreciated the Lady Bears making it mildly interesting to watch the game because they usually win by so much that the games are boring. So, amen. Thank you, Texas Tech, for putting up at least a small fight. Hey, really excited that you're here today because as our guest here in chapel, uh, we scoured the country and the world for the very best church historian. I know that you're you're thinking, oh my gosh, a church historian, you got to be kidding me. I I came here, I'm going to go ahead and close my eyes. You know, that's what I expressly try not to bring to chapel is someone that would bore you to death. And so we scour the world and I could think of no better person to come and talk to us a little bit not only about church history but about Baptist history and what it means that Baylor is a Baptist school. I could think of no one better than a professor named Dr. Alan LaFever who actually works up at the Baptist General Convention of Texas. He's the director of the Texas Historical Collection, but he also taught me church history over there at Truett Theological Seminary and some of you met him this summer. Um, If you went to Independence with Baylor Line Camps, um, you would have met him. And so I'm excited today that he's here because Alan Lefevre is not only someone who can come and share with us about history, but the reason I bring up the basketball games is because I don't know anyone who blazes the trail between Fort Worth and Waco as much as Alan Lefevre. Because if, if there is a Baylor athletic event of almost any type going on, I see him there. But he doesn't live in Waco. He lives in Fort Worth. He makes that track all the time, so it's pretty fun. He makes it so much, in fact, that the Baylor Press has asked him to write a book that will he's just beginning work on, and it's a history of Baylor athletics, and so that'll be pretty fun to to see what that's like when that comes out. So in just a few moments, I'm going to ask him to come out and share with us a little bit about what it means that we are at a historically Baptist university. What does that mean? What's that about? I want you to just have a working knowledge of that, so when people ask you, uh, is Baylor a Christian school? You can say, yeah, actually, we're historically Baptist. Whether you're Baptist or not it's irrelevant, Um, and then you can just share what that means. Before we do that, however, I thought we would have a word of prayer together and just still ourselves a bit. So let's pray. God, let us breathe deeply this morning. Let us be aware of our surroundings and aware that we are surrounded by our community, community here at Baylor, as well as the body of Christ. And God, let us be aware, most importantly, that you are here in this place, the creator of the universe. You're here among us, you're with us, and you care for us. And so as we breathe deeply and rest in our seats, knowing that we're here with family, Lord, speak to us, change us, inform us this morning about what it means to be at this place that we love so dearly. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. Hey, really I'm glad you're here, and I'm excited to introduce to you one of the most entertaining professors I ever had in my life. So welcome with me, Dr. Alan LaFever.
1: Okay, I want you all to know that I am a Baylor grad, so at one time I had to sit where you're sitting right now. I realize that right now many of you are feeling like this this is just a half hour of your life you won't be able to get back. So I'm going to try to make it as entertaining as I can. And hopefully I'm going to teach you a few facts along the way so that the next time you're at a party and it's really slow, you can just spout off a few Baptist facts. And people are like, wow, that's impressive. So, you know, it, it is interesting when you, when you think about all of us here. We're all human. At least I'm pretty sure we're all human. And yet each and every one of us is distinctive one from the other. There's something about us that makes us different from the person sitting next to us most of us of course are smarter than the person sitting next to us but something makes us different When uh, I, I have cerebral palsy on the right side of my body at a stroke when I was born and um, actually the doctors told my parents I wouldn't walk or talk when I was born five years later my dad wanted to super malpractice because I wouldn't shut up but uh, but so as part of that of course my right leg and my right arm are affected and when I was a student at Baylor, and you know, you have to have these meetings with people that you've never met before, and a lot of times friends will be the go-between. They'll set a meeting up for you and everything. I used to always love to put my friends on the spot when I would say, "Hey, by the way, how'd you describe me?" "Uh, uh I described you good uh, you brown hair, uh, average build and height." And I'm thinking, "Yeah, that would have been easy to find." "Yeah, of course not. They described me." They, When you describe me, one of the easiest things to describe about me is what makes me so distinctive. So my right arm was an easy giveaway. In fact, right now, when you go to lunch or dinner tonight, so it's just, hey, what went on in chapel, those of you that are awake, you'll say, hey, this guy with this funny arm talked, because that's the easiest way to remember me. It makes me distinctive. So when Ryan had called me earlier and said that he wanted me to talk to you a little bit about what makes Baptists distinctive, what makes Baptists different from other Christian faiths? Because we share a lot with other Christian faiths, but what makes us distinctive? I thought about it. I thought, well, to find out what most people think about what makes Baptists distinctive, I could, could ask some friends. I mean, if I asked those of you today who are Baptist, what makes Baptists distinctive? Would you have a, a, an answer for me? Could you say, you know, what would you say? And those of you that aren't Baptists, I'd be interested to see what you might think in your time, either at Baylor, your life experience, what you think makes Baptists distinctive from one another. But what I did was, I turned, of course, to my my friends on uh, Facebook, and I said, you know, in one word, what makes Baptists distinctive? Tell me what makes Baptists distinctive. Surprisingly, the word that won was casserole. I never really saw that one coming. I was thinking of something else, but then, of course, I stopped and thought about it, and no one eats quite like Baptists and uh, so I could see how casserole might be the, the word there and but but then one of my friends was talking to me and and she said the word that comes to mind for her the one word when it comes to mind that makes Baptist distinctive was don't thought <laughs> how interesting don't because she said growing up and when she would go to church everyone would say don't do this and don't do that so that must be what makes Baptist distinctive now ironically the word that I want to talk to you about that makes Baptist distinctive that I want you to take away from today is freedom what really makes Baptist unique freedom you see when when Baptists were formed in in the early 1600s they, they came from a group of English separatists who had left England to go to Amsterdam Holland so they could worship freely and they wouldn't be persecuted by the English authorities so they would Went to Holland, and while they were there, they decided that their old model for a church wasn't very effective. That the way a church should be formed should be that once you are a believer, then you are baptized, and then you join the church. So the founders of the Baptist Church, John Smith and Thomas Helwys, and don't you love that? That as distinctive as we are as Baptists, the founder of our church was John Smith. I find that ironic. But they came up with this plan: they they would baptize each other. And the way they did it was they took a bucket of water and poured it over one another, and then they baptized the believers by pouring a bucket of water on them. So that's the first recorded time in history that Baptists did something and made it no fun by pouring water—a bucket of water—over it. You know, did you always feel like, oh, mom, dad, you always pouring a bucket of water and stuff? But it's actually Baptist tradition. So they, they, uh, they did this. And then, really, one of the first ways that we know that they were a Baptist church is that four months after they formed, they split. Baptists have been arguing with one another a long time. In fact, you know the old adage, where two Baptists are gathered, there are three opinions. And so so they split, and Thomas Howlworth and a small group ended up going back to England. And when they went back to England, Thomas Howlworth wrote a book on religious freedom. Now, you may think to yourself, I mean, you've grown up in America. Religious freedom, not a very radical idea. Oh, in 1612, it was the most radical idea. To talk about religious freedom was to say, to rock the very foundation of what England was, and if they had true religious freedom, if it was possible for a person to worship or not worship the way they wanted to, my gosh, it would be anarchy. And he wrote a book about it. He took his book, and he really wanted to get an audience with the king, King James. But he couldn't get in to see the king, so he did the next best thing. He autographed a copy and left it for the king. And you can imagine, the king really appreciated the fact that Thomas Helwes had autographed a copy because it made him so easy to find and put in prison. And Thomas Helwes will spend the rest of his life in prison because he wrote about freedom of religion. Many other Baptist leaders in the early 1600s will speak about the need for religious freedom and how religious freedom doesn't threaten society but it actually makes it better. But Baptists in England don't really get any respect from the leaders there until the English Civil War. And during the English Civil War all of a sudden people started to respect Baptist. Why did they respect the Baptists during the English Civil War? because Baptists turned out to be really good fighters how about that for irony yeah those Baptists man they really know how to fight they're okay well that's what got them a little bit of freedom in England well it's the same time that English Baptists were developing American Baptists were getting off the ground and they were running into the same problems that their English counterparts were Roger Williams the founder of the Baptist Church in America wrote a book about religious freedom that got him into trouble. It was entitled The Bloody Tenant. He was making an argument The Bloody Tenant was basically a book saying, talking about the persecution of the church and how religious freedom should be guaranteed. Roger Williams, apparently, is Lisa and I could tell, is also the first American to have a sequel because his next book, entitled The Bloody Tenant, Yet More Bloody, I'm not making that up, that really was the title of this second book, continued the argument about the need for religious freedom if we were to succeed as a people when america was was fighting for its independence amazingly that's when baptists established their respect with other people too people hadn't respected baptists before but during the revolutionary war lo and behold baptists got a great reputation for being really good fighters again you know if there's one thing we have down it's how to argue or fight We did it in the Revolutionary War, too. And people started to pay attention to us, and people started to realize that Baptists didn't want to overthrow the government. They wanted to preserve freedom. One of our our allies at this time was a man by the name of Thomas Jefferson, who worked with, he and James Madison worked with the Baptists to write the very First Amendment to the Constitution that says that Congress shall give the free exercise of religion and, and, and should not establish religion. I mean they wanted to the guarantee in the First Amendment that you could worship or not worship the way you wanted and Baptists were a major cog in that fight in fact when Thomas Jefferson was elected president in 1800 many of you may not know but Thomas Jefferson one of the the uh, things that people said about Jefferson was that he was an atheist because he didn't he didn't see God as other people had seen God during his time, he didn't worship God in quite the same way, and one of his few allies in the election were Baptists, because they liked his view of religious liberty. <laughs> After Thomas Jefferson was elected president, one Baptist preacher in Connecticut, a man by the name of Tom, or uh, John Leland, who had come to know Thomas Jefferson during the uh, early uh, 1770s, he decided that. He would get his congregation together and they would make something, a special gift for Thomas Jefferson. All his congregation were dairy farmers. So he talked them into making a big cheese for Thomas Jefferson. Now, I'm not just talking a big cheese, I'm talking a humongous cheese. I'm talking four and a half feet wide, 15 inches deep, 1,200 pounds of cheese. In fact it was so big they had to get a special sled to take it to Washington DC it arrives there on January 1st 1802 federalists the people who were against Thomas Jefferson tried to derive the cheese tried to say negative things about the fact that Jefferson was getting this cheese and recently some woolly mammoths had been discovered and mammoth was basically a new word in the English language they were hoping if they called it the mammoth cheese that it would be a derogatory term and would and people wouldn't see the cheese as anything special well what it ended up being of course is that mammoth became a word that meant huge gigantic It was a great word to describe something bigger than life the mammoth cheese well when it arrived we know that it stayed there at the White House for four years reports are that in the fourth year of the cheese it didn't seem to taste as good in the first year I don't know about you, but I think if I'd been to a, a party at the White House four years after the cheese arrived, I probably would have tried to avoid eating the cheese. And uh, But the amazing thing about this cheese is that from, this, from that day forward, any time that you would describe somebody as a big leader, as an important leader, many times you might use the term the big cheese. All thanks to Baptists. You can amaze your friends with that at a party, but more importantly, it was a symbol that Baptists knew the importance of religious liberty and were saying thank you to Thomas Jefferson for fighting for it. But there are other freedoms that are important to Baptists as well. Many times you might hear the term "soul freedom" or, or even the freedom to interpret the Bible the way that you want. In the Baptist church, many times we use the term "priesthood of the believer." When I was younger, I used to wonder if. We believed in priesthood of the believer if we had to do some kind of special initiation or wear some robe. I, I didn't quite understand what that meant. Actually, it's quite simple. What that means is that each and every one of you here today has the freedom of your own conscience to determine what you believe, the freedom of your own conscience to pick up the Bible and read it the way that you see fit. It's your freedom. No one can infringe on that, and Baptists fought hard for that freedom as well. Another freedom that Baptists have that Baptists endure is the freedom of the church. Those of you that are Baptist here today may have experienced a lot of different Baptist churches in your life. I mean, the fact of the matter is that on any given Sunday that you could worship in a Baptist church where the preacher wears a robe, uses a liturgy, sings hymns, or you could probably drive within five miles of that church, and find a church where the preacher wears jeans and a cowboy hat, and they sing choruses before the sermon. They're all Baptist churches, and everything in between is Baptist. And every church is independent from one another and can do whatever they want. That was part of the freedom to be Baptist. I have a friend that this last summer, she grabbed me by the hand, and, and uh, we were visiting her in Maine, and she she had tears in her eyes, and she said. Alan, I know you're a Baptist minister, and I've got to ask you. She said, I see over and over on the news about this church in Kansas that shows up at the funeral of fallen soldiers, and you might have kept up with the news. They wanted to protest at, at the funeral of that little girl that was shot in Tucson. And she said, I don't understand. They're Baptists. Why do you, Baptists, do that? And I had to tell her, wait a minute. We, Baptists, Are independent from one another and any Baptist Church can do whatever they want in fact any church can form and call itself Baptist and there's nothing another Baptist Church can do about it because we are independent from one another and I'm here to tell you today those of you that that may have been to a Baptist Church before if you're not Baptist and you think oh you had a bad experience at a Baptist Church or you had a bad bad experience with a Baptist preacher or Baptist minister don't write us all off because you had experience with one weird Baptist I mean there's a lot of weird baptists out there. But but we're all different. And our churches are different too. And that's one of the freedoms that we enjoy. The freedom to worship differently. When Baylor was formed in 1845, in fact, as early as 1841, Baptists in Texas were trying to figure out how they could best educate the young men and women in Texas. When they decided to form Baylor in 1845 and they set up its charter, it was important to them to set up an institution where people were free to learn they had the freedom to learn they set it up in a Christian environment but this is not a Baptist school that you have to be Baptist to go to you don't have to be Christian to come here what we want you to do to come here is have the freedom to learn that's it now I know many of you I mean since you're required to be here hearing Kind of ironic you would hear anybody talk about freedom like the freedom to go to chapel but and many of you wonder while you're sitting in the library or at your computer or you know browsing Wikipedia working on a term paper um, may be wondering how you're free to do anything in college the whole reason Baylor was established was so that you would be free you'd be free to find out who you are The freedom that Baptists fought for in 1609. The freedom that Baptists were imprisoned for in the 1600s. The freedom that Baptists guaranteed as they fought for the First Amendment. That's the freedom we have here at Baylor University, for you to find out who you are. Professors here, we're not designed, we're not set up to tell you who you need to be. The classes here at Baylor are set up so that you find out who you are. So that you have the freedom to learn so that when you graduate from this institution and you walk across that stage the person you are when you walk across that stage will be different than the person you are today because in the freedom that we give you the freedom that we have here at Baylor University you found out who you are and for the rest of your life that freedom will make a difference in you and the people that you come in contact with What makes Baylor distinctively Baptist? What makes Baptist distinctive? We enjoy freedom. We may talk about don'ts. Some Baptists may get hung up on don'ts. But more than that, we are free to be who we want and need to be. Why don't you rise with me now as we pray? dear God I thank you for this day Lord I thank you for each and every person here I pray that today as they leave they'll realize the importance of freedom and Lord if there's one thing that Baylor University hopefully does for each and every student we have is that they find the freedom within themselves to be the best person they can be thank you God for allowing a place like Baylor to exist And help us as we are students and when we become alumni to use our freedom to make Baylor better. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.